Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. One of the main causes of depression, it's a self-absorbed life, a life lived for self. Perhaps you've heard it said that if your eyes are on others, you're distressed. If your eyes are on yourself, you're depressed. (laughs) If your eyes are on your circumstances, you're stressed. But if your eyes are on the Lord, you're blessed. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Are you stressed out? In this fast-paced world, it seems like we're all clawing our way through each day and bombarded with methods and prescriptions to help us relax. In today's message, Pastor J.D. gives a very different prescription from the Bible for ways to not lose heart. Number one, get your eyes off yourself and focus on Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with part one of his message, Don't Lose Heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing, and verse 1 says, Therefore... Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And verse 3, even if our gospel is veiled, It is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But, verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, verse 9, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then... Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, verse 13, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. 
Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So verse 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The title I've chosen for teaching this chapter is simply, Don't Lose Heart. As we just read and are about to see, the Apostle Paul, no less than two times in the entirety of this chapter, encourages us to not lose heart. And what's woven into the fabric of this chapter are the specific reasons as to why and even how. How it is that we're never to lose heart. And why it is that in spite of the many difficult trials that we might encounter in our lives, we don't have to lose heart. We don't have to give in to despair. I see this as the Apostle Paul sort of rising from the pages of Scripture as an example to us in order to show us both how it is that we don't lose heart and why it is that we don't need to give in to despair. The first one is in verse 1, and it's that of never losing sight of God's grace and mercy. I see this as being foundational and fundamental in the sense that it starts here. This is huge, and it is so important that we understand the importance of God's grace and God's mercy. Here, Paul says that it's because of God's mercy that they have this ministry, and that this is the reason they don't lose heart. I believe the Apostle Paul knew that without question, it's all of grace. I mean, think about it, if there was ever a man that had been on the receiving end of God's grace and God's mercy, it was the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul. I mean, my goodness, this man was killing Christians, thinking he was doing God a favor. This man had tasted of God's grace, the cup of God's grace, in a way that few do. And so he knew that it was all of grace. It's, as we say, but by the grace of God go I. And we say that, and it's clever, it's cliche, but Think about what you're saying. But by the grace of God go I. What you're saying is, it's all of grace. Let me flip it around to the other side. Absent grace, nothing. If it's all by grace, then that means absent grace, there's nothing at all. It's all by grace. 
One of the things that I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is when I lose sight of God's grace and God's mercy, it's really only a matter of time before I lose heart and I give in to despair. Well, this brings us to the second reason to never lose heart. It's in verse 2, and it's that of having a clear conscience before God. I find it interesting in verse 2 where Paul says that their sufferings were not because of a guilty conscience in the sight of God. And here's why. They had renounced secret, shameful sins. They were not as some were handling God's word deceitfully. And he says to them that the manifestation of the truth commended them to every man's conscience. In other words, the conscience is clean and the hands are clean before God and before man. And that's why they don't lose heart. In other words, Paul walked in integrity before God. And for a number of reasons, chief of which was that he didn't distort the word of God in order to benefit and bless himself. What's the point? Well, the point is, is that a guilty conscience of willful sin and disobedience, without exception, will always lead us to lose heart and give way to despair. One of the best books I ever read was Spiritual Depression by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. In fact, it's become for me quite a reference in my library. But one of the things he says in there is very interesting. He says, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, you have willful sin and disobedience, there is no way that you will ever experience the peace of God in your life and the joy of the Lord in your life. Your life will be riddled with discouragement, defeat, depression, spiritual depression, and it can lead to even despair. Well, the third reason is in verses 3 and 4, and it has to do with not taking rejection to the gospel personally. In verse 3, Paul tells them that even if their gospel is veiled, he realizes it's only because it's veiled to those who are perishing. And in verse 4 he says, the reason for that is that the God of this age has blinded the minds and eyes of the unbelievers so they can't see the light. Now this is, again, very interesting because this to me is one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, that Christians lose heart and don't share the gospel. Simply put, they've taken the rejection personally. And what happens is they just give up sharing the gospel publicly. G. Campbell Morgan, of being rejected by unbelievers, wrote this, The God of this world is able only to blind the minds of the unbelieving. Refusal to believe is the secret and reason of the blindness that happens to men. We talked about this last week, but this is again one of the reasons you can talk with a Jew for hours 
sharing the Lord with them, and they will not and don't accept it. They have the veil over their eyes. They are blinded. The good news is the day is coming soon and very soon, I believe, when that veil will be taken away by Jesus, their true Messiah. The fourth reason for not losing heart is in verse 5, and it's by making it all about Jesus and not making it all about ourself. Here Paul says that what they preach is not about self, rather it's all about Jesus. And he even adds to that that they're slaves, bond slaves, if you will, for Jesus' sake. Now, at first read, you might ask yourself the question, well, how does preaching Christ and not self protect oneself from being discouraged and losing heart? Well, (laughs) I think you would agree that we need look no further than to one of the main causes of depression. It's a self-absorbed life, a life lived for self. Perhaps you've heard it said that if your eyes are on others, you're distressed. If your eyes are on yourself, you're depressed. (laughs) If your eyes are on your circumstances, you're stressed. But if your eyes are on the Lord, you're blessed. I know it's kind of dorky and corny, but it's true, isn't it? You know, I've over the years taken note of how the most miserable Christians I've ever known are the most self-absorbed Christians I've ever known. It's where we live for self instead of die to self. It's where we're absorbed by the self-life instead of the crucified life where we crucify the flesh, we pick up our cross, we die to ourselves. And this, on the other side of the table, so to speak, explains why it is that the most joyful Christians you will ever meet are the Christians who are not living for self. Try this at home. You know how we're always told, don't try this at home. No, try this at home. This is a, it's not for the faint at heart, by the way, but try this. Count how many times, especially for those of you who do prayer journals, count how many times in your prayer the word is I, me, myself. It's pretty convicting. I did that once. Didn't want to do it ever again, but I was flabbergasted. You know that song, it's all about you, Jesus Liar, (laughs) liar, really? (laughs) You should sing, it's all about me, when it should be Jesus. (laughs) It's all about me. The first person I think about in the morning is me. I am my favorite subject of conversation. Everything I do, everything I say, everything I hear, I look through the lens of how will it affect me. The self-life will surely lead to one losing heart in life. This brings us to the fifth reason. It's in verses 6 through 11. And this one is so important. And not that the other ones aren't, but really think through this with me. 
It's knowing why, keyword why, God chooses to break the vessel he uses. In verses 6 and 7, Paul says that God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, but, interesting, he would choose and use this glorious and grand, all-surpassing power by way of earthen jars of clay? What? Well, we're told why. It's so that it may be of God and not us. And then he says something very interesting in verses 8 and 9. He goes on to say that they were pressed but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, and struck down but not destroyed. Now, let's be honest. If we all have a, to some degree or another, a verses 8 and 9 in our lives, to some degree, and as we're going to see, Paul infinitely more so encountered unbelievable suffering and trials in his life. How is it that he didn't lose heart? Well, that's what he's saying here in verses 10 and 11. He says, they always carried around the death of Jesus. They had died to themselves so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in and through their crushing persecution, their crushing trials, their crushing suffering. That's when the light shines, and that's when it shines the brightest for God's glory. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the greatest difficulties in the Christian life, it would be that of misunderstanding God. What do you mean? Well, it's not understanding why it is that God will choose to use vessels that He Himself will oftentimes need to first break. We misinterpret the breaking that comes by the hand of a loving God. I think of Gideon's army of 300 defeating the Medeanite army of 135,000 by the blowing of trumpets and the breaking of vessels. That's how the victory came. That's how the glory came to God. It's interesting to note that it came after the breaking. You want to know why? Because the sound of 300 vessels breaking would have been interpreted as, by the Medeanites, that the Israelites had at least 300,000 men. And here's how we get there. The military strategy of that day was such that each trumpet and each clay pitcher represented 1,000 warriors. Now do the math. To hear the sound of 300 would mean that the Israelites had 300,000 men. And the Medeanites only have 135,000 men. That's more than twice. So what happens? Well, we're told in Judges 7 that the Medeanites became so fearful, they turned on each other and slaughtered one another. I love it when God does that to the enemies of His people. <laughs> so what's the lesson? Well, the lesson is quite clear. The victory comes 
when the loud trumpet sound of God's word is heard from God's chosen and broken vessel, and not before. And not only is it when the word of God is heard, it's when the vessel chosen by God is broken and the light is able to shine forth. It's proportionate, by the way, to the degree in which we're broken, it's proportionate to how grand and glorious the light is able to shine forth. I think of the persecuted church of Smyrna in Revelation 2, one of only two churches that was not on the receiving end of a rebuke from the Lord, Smyrna and Philadelphia. Smyrna, the persecuted church, Philadelphia, the evangelical remnant church, the only two of the seven churches that did not receive a rebuke, like the church of Ephesus, Sardis, Pergamum, Thyatira, and of course the famous, maybe better said infamous, Laodicea as the seventh church, all on the receiving end of a rebuke. Why wasn't the church of Smyrna on the receiving end of a rebuke? Because the crushing persecution of this persecuted church of Smyrna brought about a beautiful fragrance, which by the way is the name, which is the nature. That's what Smyrna means. It's myrrh, though bitter when crushed, is fragrant. And again, to the degree in which it is crushed, that's the degree in which the fragrance is released. To the degree in which the vessel is broken, that's the degree in which the blessing and the victory comes. The woman could not bless the Savior until that alabaster jar containing what some believe would have been a year's worth of wages in that oil to anoint the feet and the head of her Savior, that blessing could not come until the vessel was broken. You look throughout Scripture, and without exception, the brokenness always precedes the blessing. Just as the fragrance of the myrrh comes by way of the crushing, so too the light of God's all-surpassing glory comes by way of the breaking. And yet we fight it so hard, don't we? We fight so hard against the loving, breaking hand of God in our lives. One commentator noted and quoted the famous piano craftsman, Theodore Steinway, who said, it's the 40,000 pounds of pressure exerted on the 245 strings of a piano that creates beautiful harmony. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've also created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you can take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. 
We'd also like to point you to the Aloha Prophecy Update tab on our website. And with more information, here's Pastor J.D. Thank you, Josh. One of the main reasons we do these prophecy updates is that we believe the rapture of the church can happen at any time. In fact, it may actually be closer than we even realize with all the things that are taking place in the world today. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus said that when we see these things begin to come to pass, that we should look up and lift up our heads, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. We believe that Jesus was referring to that which is now happening in the world, especially geopolitically. It's my hope and prayer that these prophecy updates will be a source of encouragement to you as a listener, not only to ready you and steady you, but to share with others the lateness of the hour in these the last days of human history as we know it. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you will join us every week here at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. Head on over to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access these updates. And be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of 2 Corinthians. Keeping me right with you